Well, as Matt said at the beginning of our service, uh, having finished our series on the Gospel of John today, we're beginning a new series. We're calling it Jesus And, and here's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. We're going to collect up a bunch of topics, and we're going to take them to the Bible, which is the mind of Christ, and we're going to say, okay, what is the mind of Christ on this incredibly important topic? And here's why we want to do that. It's not an intellectual exercise. It's not one that's born out of curiosity. Gee, I wonder what Jesus thinks, and I'll take that under advisement, but we're going Because we want our minds to be transformed by his mind so that we, as the body of Christ in this world, might live by the power of his spirit as he would have us to live. And the issue that we're going to look at first today is the topic of life. And let me define that. I'm very particular in this. What I'm talking about is the life of unborn children, the lives of those in the womb. We're going to look at the issue of life today, and because we're a people who for two years now have been talking not just about knowing God's Word, but about living God's Word, we've used this as an opportunity to feature one of the ministries, a local ministry here in this community that we have supported here as a church for many years, and I'll just tell you, full disclosure, that I support personally. This is a ministry that is near and dear to the hearts of many at Rio, and frankly, it's near and dear to my wife's heart. And it's very near and dear to my heart as well. And it's Hope Women's Centers. Hope Women's Centers, this is their mission statement, exists to encourage and equip women to make informed choices regarding unplanned pregnancies. They do that by operating pregnancy centers throughout Broward County, at which they do things like free pregnancy testing and, and free ultrasounds. Now imagine the power of that. And here's what else they do. Among other things, they come alongside these young ladies and even these young men who feel like their whole lives have been caught up in the net of this thing called an unplanned pregnancy. And in that moment of time in their life, they feel like that net with their lives in it is literally dangling over the side of a cliff and they feel alone and they come to them and say, you know what, you're not alone, that's why we're here. We're here to help you. We're here to counsel you. We're here to give you stuff. We're here to walk through this thing called unplanned pregnancy with you, and we're even here on the other side of it. That's a pretty big deal. But then here's what else they do. They also offer courses and classes to men and women. It's not just a women's issue who have decided in the past to terminate their pregnancy and who today, as a result of that, are living with the baggage of it. The psychological baggage, the emotional baggage, the physical baggage, the spiritual baggage of this, the baggage that, you know, I mean, you're not even thinking about when your life has been collected up in the net of an unplanned pregnancy and is hanging over the side of a cliff. The baggage that, you know what, if you were pressured in to an abortion, that person didn't tell you about The baggage that no one at the abortion clinic comes out and says, listen, here's the deal. Statistics indicate that if you go through with this particular decision, you're going to have this issue and this issue and this issue and this issue and this issue. And here's how it will manifest itself in your life and in your relationships. Because that's on the backside of abortion. Hope Women's Centers also stands on the backside of abortion. And they come along with courses and classes to help people unpack their hurts and heal because this is the most important part of this message today. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. There is complete forgiveness and healing and restoration and relief 
for abortion. Through faith at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ is strong enough to cleanse this. That is massively important. So we're going to talk about this issue today, and I want to tell you also, full disclosure, uh, this, in my opinion, is the most difficult topic to talk about, period. I couldn't think of a more difficult one, to be honest. I want to talk a little bit about why that is. I think it's difficult for us to talk about this issue because it's become a political issue and it's become politicized. Wordsmiths and advertisers and people with agendas have come to this issue and they've remessaged it and they've reshaped it. And in many cases, they've lied about us. They lied to us about it. They've led us astray on it in some cases. And sometimes we've been kind of willing to be led astray, if we're honest. And more than that, you know, the two political parties with their candidates have taken up this issue and ostensibly have platforms on this issue. And, you know, the reality is this difficulty is only made all the more difficult for us today because you might know this, but like in a month, we're going to go to the polls and we're going to have to then vote and vote Christianly and stand before the Lord and say, okay, which one of these guys, I mean, these are the choices I have before you, Lord, do I really believe is going to do the most good? And this is one of the issues that we're going to have to consider. But I'm going to have to ask you this morning to just, I guess, go with me on this. I didn't choose to talk about this today because in a month we have an election. I chose to talk about this on this day because we just finished up a nine-month study on the Gospel of John, and because in two weeks, Hope Women's Centers is going to have their walk for life. And here's what I would love to see happen. I would love to see those of us who have had our minds transformed by the mind of Christ and who have experienced the great gift of His forgiveness on this issue, because pretty much all of us need it, and I'll explain that in a second. Gather up our kids and families and having rounded up some sponsors and whatnot, go out to the Westminster Academy West Campus and walk. tough topic. It's a tough topic primarily, however, because abortion is an issue that is drenched in, that is marinated in, that is soaked in, that is dripping with, that is laden with a guilt that pretty much none of us can escape. Maybe somebody, but I kind of doubt it. And let me explain why. There have been 52 million actually, I think it's 53 and change now, abortions in the United States of America in the last 39 years. Now, if I came to you and I said there were 5,200, you could kind of conceive of that. Like your mind could get around that. You can go 5,200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a crowd like that. That's a lot of people. If I said 52,000, you could work with that number because, you know, most of us have been to sporting events. And so we're thinking about a mostly full stadium. All right. If I said 520,000, Okay, now we're starting to stretch the limits of our imagination, aren't we? But we could picture uh, seven or eight completely full stadiums. Good grief, that's a lot. 5.2 million, you're completely lost. 52 million is like white noise. So let me see if I can help. 52 million is roughly the equivalent of all of the people that live in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, and West Virginia combined. Does that help? Maybe a little. Helps you appreciate the magnitude. In terms of the abortion rate here in the state of Florida, we rank number three. 
which is great if you're a college football team, but not great in this regard. And yet I want to challenge you a little bit because like I'm a college football fan and my team was number three until last night. I think a lot of us are more passionate about our college football team. We spend a whole lot more time studying, reading about, researching, and spending money going to their games. Or whatever your hobby happens to be. One out of every two and a half pregnancies in Broward County ends in abortion. 40% of all the women in the United States will have at least one abortion by age 45. That's two out of every five, including probably two out of every five here. That's just reality. 43% of women obtaining abortions claim to be Protestant. That's how they identify themselves. 27% identify themselves as Catholic. Now add those two numbers up because that's 70% of everyone who's having an abortion. What this means, practically speaking, is that there are men here today who fathered children who were aborted, women here today who conceived children who were aborted, parents here today who coerced their child into having an abortion, guys here today who said to their 16-year-old girlfriend, look, I made the appointment and I'm taking you there. This is what's going to happen next. There are friends and family here today who have encouraged it or at the very least did not discourage it. And then there's a whole bunch of the rest of us who have completely ignored it. Anybody feeling good yet? Not me. I may have shared this with you, but I remember very vividly, like photographically vividly, when I was a junior in high school, I got a call from a really good friend of mine, and his girlfriend was pregnant. He had made the appointment. He was taking her there. It was like coming up in three days, and he needed $200, and a minor miracle was happening in the sense that I actually had $200, which was terrifically unusual. Tom, can I borrow $200? Now, I want to pause for a minute, and I want to interact with how we're interacting with that emotionally. Because some of us right now are going, okay, hang on to that. And others are saying to themselves, I was that guy who made that call. And I know exactly how that guy feels. I was that girl, and he made the appointment, and he raised the money, and he took me there, and I know exactly how that feels. And I think part of the answer to the problem is for the rest of us who go, and I understand that, but who by God's grace alone don't know how that feels. By God's grace alone don't know how that feels. To try to identify like with what that actually feels like. What is it like to be a 16 or 17-year-old kid or an 18 or 19-year-old kid or a 25 and 26-year-old kid? who find themselves pregnant and feel like, as a result of that, that their whole life has been caught up in the net of this thing called an unplanned pregnancy and it's hanging over the side of a cliff. Their reputation is in that net. The reputation of their families are in that net. As I thought about this story this week, these two that I'm talking about now came from two very prominent, well-known Christian families. From their perspective, it's in the net. College in the net. Ambitions, career in the net. Marriage and family, because I don't know. I mean, at 16 and 17, if you're the right one for me, in the net. What does that feel like? 
Because if the only message we send as a church, as parents, as school teachers, as school administrators is, let me tell you what they're going to do. They're going to call their buddy up and try to borrow 200 bucks. Tom, can I borrow $200? I said, you know what, man, I got to call you back and think about it. I already knew the answer. Honestly, I just needed to summon the courage to say no. And not because I was some towering pillar of virtue, believe me. I just knew that it was wrong. But here's what I didn't do. I didn't say to my friend, hey, listen, man, you know, why don't we go talk to your folks about this? Because maybe unlike you, I think they wouldn't be surprised, and I I don't think that they would reject you, and I'm pretty sure they would come alongside, and I I think we'd find that they would understand. Or why don't we come talk to my parents? I know them well enough to know that probably this will not shock them. And maybe they can help. I sort of sent him away hoping he'd find somebody else to pay for it because I could hear the agony in his voice, but just kind of washing my hands up and saying, it's not going to be me. Is that right? It's a difficult topic because it's laden with a guilt that almost none of us can escape. And by none of us, I'm going to take the church and throw that into that equation too. The church with a capital C, I think, is guilty on this issue. Guilty, first of all, for not talking about it. It almost never gets talked about nowadays. And that is tragic because 40 times a day it happens in Broward County alone, and that is tragic as well because so many of us in this room and in all the churches in which Christians are gathering this morning, need to be taken to the cross on this issue. This is one of those issues where you kind of think to yourself, listen, I know that it says that the blood of Jesus can cover any sin, but this one too? Yeah. And so I think the church is guilty for not talking about this issue. And secondly, I think the church is guilty for only talking about this issue by and large. Meaning that when we do come to the issue, oftentimes all we do is talk. And honestly, guys, talk is just not enough. It isn't. Talk is not enough for the 20-year-old single woman who lives alone, has no family support, has no health insurance, works an hourly wage kind of job, barely is making rent. Barely, barely is making rent. And honestly, can't figure out how in the world she could even take time off of work to have this child, much less to then raise him. Talk is not enough for the 15-year-old girl whose parents are pressuring her into having an abortion and saying, listen, if you have this child, you need to know you're on your own. Talk is not enough for the single mom of three kids already who finds herself pregnant now with a fourth child, has no reliable man at all involved in her life, who is already living off of social services, who barely makes any money, and who has stressed out her little community of family and friends to the point where she's scared to death to tell them that she's actually pregnant again because they will think that she's not all that bright. And let's be honest, maybe she's not. It's not enough. It's not enough for us to step in and go, hey, um, got a little message for you here. Listen, I know what you're considering, but it's wrong. See you later. Statistics indicate that most Americans at this point already know that and even believe it. 
We have seen enough ultrasounds by 2012 to have figured that out. 1982 or 3, not so sure. But now? I think the message is very different. I think the message needs to be, listen, here's the deal. We step into their lives and say, look, we so value life as followers of Christ, as those who have been transformed by His mind on this matter, that what's it going to take to make this work for you? Do we have to subsidize you for a while? Do we have to find you housing? Is that what it's going to take? Do we have to clothe you? Do we have to feed you? Do we have to give you vocational training? Do we have to train you on how to be a mom? Do we, I mean, what, what, what do we have to do here exactly? Because whatever that is, that's what we'll do. Oh, oh, and by the way, if you really can't have this child or, or can't raise him, just have him and we will adopt him. You know, just like God in Christ has adopted us. And you're like, Tom, that is radical. Is it? I don't think it is. Now, it is expensive. But the cross was pretty expensive too. The topic is difficult to talk about because it's laden with a guilt that almost none of us, including me, can escape on our own. But there is the gospel, don't forget, we're coming back to that. But that presupposes that it's wrong, doesn't it? So I want to spend a little time developing that for a minute, okay? As the people of God, where do we get our truth? We get it from the Word of God. So what does the Word of God say? Well, there are over a hundred references to unborn people. Hear that word people? In the Bible, and it refers to them as people, just like it talks about people who are outside of the womb. It talks about people who are inside of the womb. And let me give you some examples. Psalm 139, where you spent the week in personal worship. I'm just going to read you one verse. David says to God, and watch the personal pronouns. He says, for you formed what? My inward parts. You, in, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. What is David saying? He's saying, hey, just like it's me out here, that was me in there. And it was, wasn't it? Just like it was you in there at one point. Just like we talk about our kids today. My oldest daughter is going to be 18 in nine days. No, nah, it's awesome. It's great. But I remember, I don't know when it was, not too long ago, she had the hiccups, and I was reminded of the fact that when she was in utero, she had the hiccups all the time. Like, you know, it's our first kid, so we didn't know what that moving was. We're like, is everything okay? I mean, is this kid all right in there? There's something spasmodic occurring pretty regularly. So we talked to the doctors, like, ah, it's hiccups. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And many of you experienced the same thing. And you know what I said to her? I said, oh, you had hiccups all the time when you were... I'm sorry, what, who had the hiccups? You did. You've used that language. Oh, man, you know, when you were in utero and your dad would come home and you'd hear his voice and you'd respond. Or I'd lie on my side and play classical music and you moved. Who moved? Guys, we know this stuff. We think in these categories. Jeremiah says in chapter 1, verse 4, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed, up oh, here it is again, you, Jeremiah, in the womb I knew you, and before you were born I consecrated you. I set you apart for my purposes while you were yet unborn. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is pregnant with the Lord Christ, 
goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant, but her with John the Baptist. And Mary walks in the door and she greets her cousin, cousin, hey, I'm here, right? And what happens? Luke tells us, Luke 1 verse 41, it says that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, what? The baby jumped or leaped in her womb. That's the same word that's used not long after in the Christmas narrative to describe the Lord Jesus who's just been born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in the manger. Look, a few inches down a birth canal does not a baby make. And we know that. Unborn people are people too, and they're entitled, under the law of God at least, to the same rights and privileges as everyone who is outside of the womb. Listen to what Moses says, Exodus 21, beginning of verse 22. He says, when men strive together, when men fight, he's saying, and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, meaning so that she gives birth prematurely as a result of the trauma, but there's no harm, he's saying, if the baby is born okay, well then, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge is determined. But if there is harm, meaning if the unborn child as a result of this is maimed or killed, then you shall pay. And how shall you pay? Because listen to the equality given. Born and unborn, viewed equally. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. What is the Lord saying? He's saying that unborn people are people too. And they're entitled to the same rights and privileges as everyone else, just like the right to life. That is a right and a privilege that we enjoy isn't it? Ironically, most of the states in our union recognize, at least in some sense, this. 34 states have what's called fetal homicide laws, where if you injure a pregnant woman and that injury extends also to the child inside of her, it is viewed as a crime against two victims. So the Bible comes to us and says that unborn people are people too, and science agrees. World-renowned French geneticist Jérôme Lejeune says this. He says, to accept the fact, the fact that after fertilization, after conception has taken place, a new human life has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. He is saying that it is a settled fact genetically, scientifically. Dr. Jaime Gordon of the Mayo Clinic says that by all the criteria of modern molecular biology, human life is present from the moment of conception. The American College of Pediatrics declares in its official policy statement on this issue that it concurs with the body of scientific evidence, with the body of scientific evidence that human life begins at conception. And now listen to what John Stott, who's a theologian, has to say, because I love this statement. He says, unborn children are not becoming human, but rather are growing into the fullness of humanity that they already possess, you know, just like they do after they come out of the womb. I've shared with you guys, every summer we go up to North Carolina, and in the wall, or on the wall of the garage up there, my parents' house, for years now, every year we measure the kids. And so we get the kids, you know, and we put them against the wall and we get the big ruler and we put it there and we get the Sharpie and put a little line and then we write their name and the date. And my almost now 18-year-old daughter, a year ago, not this past summer, but the one before, you know, we thought had sort of topped out. 
So we had measured her out and wrote, and we even wrote done or something like that. Because she was like 5'8", so I mean, you know, how much more is she going to grow? And she grew another half inch. So apparently it wasn't done. They keep developing, don't they? Just like they were developing. Unborn people are people too. And the Bible says that and science says that and our own common sense says that if I can just make that claim. It's the way that we speak of them. So then what do we do about abortion? I think the answer, first of all, is that we need to start having our own children. I mean, good grief if 70% of us or 70% of the folks who are having abortions claim some association or relation to Christ and to some kind of a church at the very least. That's a pretty big deal. I think part of that is sending a very clear message to our own kids that if or when they become pregnant and just know that just like it happened in our generation and to a lot of us, it will happen with a lot of them. That if or when that occurs, we will not be embarrassed by them, no matter who we are or what our reputation is. That we will not be ashamed of them and that we will not abandon them but that we will stand with them. And us and them and Jesus will figure it out. And you know what else? This church will stand with them too. Because yes, whereas we do stand for purity, we also stand for forgiveness and life. We figure it out in community. Secondly, we need to be brave enough to humbly talk about this issue and then brave enough to do more than just talk. We need to let the Spirit work into our hearts, a care, an awareness. See, it's painful. We want to avoid it. But we need to go there and not avoid it. Brave enough to step up to this issue and do more than just talk. Brave enough to find organizations like Hope Women's Centers and others and to get behind them in real and practical ways with our time, talent, and treasure. It's costly, but we were costly to the Lord, which leaves only one last question, and that is, what's the remedy for us personally, for me and for you? Because this is a really tender topic, guys. What do we do with our guilt? We take it by faith to the cross of the one who shed his infinitely valuable and perfectly righteous blood to cover over every one of our sins, including this one. So I want to give you some action steps today. But first, let me read this verse. It's written by a man who went about killing Christians before he became one. And it's a healing balm, you see, to a wounded soul, particularly on this issue. Romans 8, verse 1, Paul says, There is therefore now, and this next word is so beautiful, it's just the word no. There is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. So here's your challenge. Number one, bring your guilt to the Lord. Stop suffering under the weight of it. And that may mean that you need to sign up for one of these classes that Hope Women's Centers provides. Great. Do it. And begin to experience the freedom and the joy of the freedom from the burden that you've been carrying, no matter what your association may be with this issue. Number two, walk for life. And here's the good news about the walk for life. It's not one of these deals where like, you know, somebody sponsors you for a dollar a lap and you got to walk like 98 laps or whatever. The walk is purely emblematic. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to sponsor you for $50 and, you know, just walk how much you want. It doesn't matter. Walk for life. Having experienced Christ's forgiveness, sign up in the back, Meet Nancy McDonald, who's sitting right here and who is the executive director of Hope Women's Centers and who will be at that table in the back. If you can do it, gather up the kids, start your own little web page. You can do that, and then you can just send it out by email. It's easy, and then people can sponsor you online. It's, it's, it's almost effortless. And do a lap or two, standing for this cause. And then lastly, if you can't do that, uh, then sponsor one of us who does. There's a lot of people from Rio who will be walking. Uh, I'm going to be walking. My wife's going to be walking. You know, we've, they've set up like kind of a competition on our website between us. And, uh, and I need to let you know something about my wife because you would not know this unless I told you because she's all sweet and demure and all that stuff until you try to play a game with her and then she just leaves you dead on the floor. <laughs> my wife is a gloater. And so it would not be good for her sanctification if she got more fundraising than me. So, so I don't really care which one of us you sponsor as long as it's me. Um, if you can, okay? If you can. No pressure. If you feel moved to. But it's a tough topic, guys. It's a lot of guilt. But here's the bottom line. Not for those of us who belong to Christ. There is therefore now, how much? No condemnation. Get bathed in that. Get marinated in that and let go of the guilt, okay? All right, be sure to visit Nancy in the table in the back. Let me pray.